Welcome to the South Canadian Valley Church of Christ podcast. Please enjoy the following study. It's good to be with you again this evening. Certainly grateful for the presence of each one. Glad that you chose to be here this evening. Very grateful for your contribution to the assembly this evening, to each and every one of the, the songs uh, that have been sung have, have certainly built me up. Um, appreciative uh, prayers. Thank you for those. Thank you for choosing to spend your time here. I know many of you uh, have made a sacrifice of time, traveled some distance to be here. Appreciative of that very much. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you uh, for anyone that is choosing to spend their time with us uh, this evening. Certainly grateful and thankful for that. And I'm thankful to to be with you and to have the invitation to uh, share with you from my study of God's Word. Anytime that I have the opportunity to do that, it's my sincere desire that you'll be able to take benefit from the things that I've gained from my study, that you'll be able to find practical application of God's Word in your life, and that you'll be able to uh, use that to to remind you, to strengthen you, to encourage you, uh, to continue in your service, or perhaps to uh, surrender and to join uh, the service of our powerful God. As was mentioned, we meant, we spoke Wednesday night about who the Lord is and how great, how high and lifted up, how mighty that He is. We talked about His eternal plan of redemption and the necessity of teaching and preaching Jesus Christ and the glorious gospel, and how that Christ uh, suffered on Calvary, and how that he was made sin for us when he knew no sin, how God became uh, declared his righteousness there at Calvary, uh, and that he was just and the justifier of him that would believe in Jesus, how that we could be in Christ through God's gospel plan of baptism. And we talked about the need of of sharing that message, of all the needs that we see around us, underscored that is the greatest need that the world has, and it will continue to be the greatest need as long as the world continues on the the teaching and preaching of Jesus Christ. It's a great work, and uh, that's actually what I've titled the study this evening. And I want to talk about and to think about uh, a building project that we have going on uh, for a little while this evening. Invite your attention. I think it'll be time well spent. Uh, I want to... uh, draw from some history that we have in God's Word, uh, to look at some parallels that are made, uh, look at a building project that uh, was undertaken long ago, uh, see some of the wisdom uh, of the godly leaders in that time period, and uh, try to make some application to our life uh, from that this evening. Um, So when we think about um, the work being great, uh, the great need for the teaching and preaching of Jesus Christ, you know, the problem with with a huge task is sometimes we look at it and and immediately become discouraged, right? We, we see this mountain and the tendency is to go, I, I could never climb that. I could never reach the top of that mountain, so why not just go around? Why not just, you know, save my strength for, for another endeavor, another project? Certainly, that might be the attitude of some when they consider the magnitude of the work of the church you know, the other option is to say, all I can do is start climbing. I'm just going to start climbing, and, I, and I'll get where I get, and I will, I will begin that journey. I'll begin the undertaking of that task. And that's the encouragement uh, that I want uh, to give you this evening as we think about this. So I want to kind of, uh, thinking about the history of the children of Israel, just to pick up where the context uh, that we're going to uh, pick up in the book of First Chronicles this evening. If you want to follow along in the Bible, I'll try to have most of our scriptures up on the screen as I have. Uh, if you'd like to turn along, certainly encourage you to do that. Um, we're in the time of the kings. So after the exodus, after the wandering in the wilderness, 
they have uh, the conquest of the of the promised land and the period of judges has passed, and King Saul's reign has been taken from him, and David's reign is now coming to an end. And that's where we're picking up just timeline-wise in our study this evening. And as David's uh, reign is coming to an end, he does what I guess uh, old men might do. And he starts looking back on his life. And he starts thinking about and making some examinations and start thinking about things in perspective and, and that type of thing. And that's what we see here in First Chronicles chapter 17. First Chronicles chapter 17, verse number 1, it says, Now it came to pass... As David sat in his house, that David said to Nathan the prophet, Lo, I dwell in a house of cedars, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord remaineth under curtains. Then Nathan said unto David, Do all that is in thy heart, for God is with thee. And it came to pass in the same night that the word of the God came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell David my servant. Thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt not build me a house to dwell in. And so, think about what just happened here. David has had many words, a lot of conquest, expanded the empire greatly, and he starts looking at his house. He's got, we might call it a stick and brick house. It's, it's a permanent structure, we would call it. And he looks over and he sees the Ark of the Covenant, the tabernacle. It's a tent. It's, it's where the Ark of the Testimony is. It's, it's the, where the mercy seat resides and and. David's discomforted by this. He's like, I, I live in this nice fancy house and there's the ark over there. And he has it in his heart to, to build a, a nice fancy house for that ark, for, for God. He wants to do that. Notice what Nathan does here because I think this is a good lesson, uh, kind of sub-lesson in our study this evening. Nathan's the prophet, right? He's God's messenger. And Nathan says, hey, do, do everything in your heart. God's with you. Uh, Get after it. Uh, that night, God comes to Nathan. <laughs> he says, hey, I've got a message for you to give David. Tell him he's not going to build me a house. You think that was a little bit awkward when Nathan went back to David? Uh, remember what I told you yesterday about just taking off and doing whatever's in your heart? We're going to have to scrap that plan because that's not God's will. So, We'll do well to seek God's counsel, won't we, before we give our advice, before we advise people on matters of service to God. I think it's important for us to, to take note of that little lesson that we see right up uh, of the bat in our study. First Chronicles 17, we're going to jump down to verse number 11. He goes on to say, It shall come to pass when thy days are expired that thou must go to be with thy fathers, that I will raise up thy seed after thee, which shall be of thy sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build me a house... And I will establish his throne forever. So long story short, this task is assigned to Solomon. God's going to allow this, but it's not going to be David. It's going to be Solomon. We see over in 1 Chronicles 22, picking up verse number 7, it says, David said to Solomon, My son, as for me, it was in my mind to build a house under the name of the Lord my God. But the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Thou hast shed blood abundantly, and hast made great wars. Thou shalt not build a house unto my name. Because thou hast shed much blood upon the earth in my sight. So now we take this and think about what your reaction might be. Hey, I want to do this. Here's something I want to do for the Lord. And you make inquiry. You look into God's word. What is the Lord's will? What's the Lord's will about what I want? 
Does my will line up with the Lord's will? In this case, it didn't. So at this point, I guess David could say, well, just forget about it. I'll just, I'll just go on to something else, right? I mean, it's not going to be me, and I'm not going to be around to see it. What, what's the point? But that's not what he does. In fact, he takes that in stride, and he looks at the objective. He says, okay, I can't build it, but Solomon can, so what can I do to make Solomon's life easier, to get closer to this goal that I have of this house being for the Lord. And so this is what happens. In 1 Chronicles 29, verse number 1, the Bible says, Furthermore, David, the king, said unto all the congregation, Solomon, my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great. For the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God. The gold for things to be made of gold, and the silver for things of silver, and the brass for things of brass, the iron for things of iron, and wood for things of wood, onyx stones and stones to be set, glistering stones and of diverse colors, and all manner of precious stones and marble stones in abundance. Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have of my own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given unto the, holy, unto the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. And so here's what we see. David's response to this, you're not going to build me a house, is he does everything he can so that the house can be built. And he persists in this desire that he has for this task to be completed. And I want to think a little bit about David's leadership, and then as we transfer over to Solomon's leadership, notice some of this as we talk about this task that they undertake. Notice the evaluation. The work is great. You know, you, you need to know some things about a project to get anywhere. You need to know where you're going to go. You need to know where you're at right now. And if, if, you, if you don't have those two things locked in, you don't know any of the in-between. You can't. You have to know where you're going, and you have to have an accurate understanding of where you're at. And what I want to emphasize this evening is that we have this task before us, wherever we're at in this process. We have this task before us that's a great task. It's a great work. And we need to understand what our objective is. And then we need to turn around and look at where we're at. And then it becomes very clear. It becomes simple what we need to do next. And we do that. I'm not saying everything is simple, but the beginning and the, the planning and the understanding and to bring into focus uh, the objectives that need to come to pass. And so uh, notice the motivation this is not for man. It's for the Lord. We talked Wednesday night, the Lord is not a man. And, you know, if this was just another expansion to the king's palace, it might have been hard to motivate the people, right? Oh, my goodness, he's got this big mansion already. He's got all these extra rooms. What do we really need to be building another, uh, you know, addition for? But that's not the case. That's not what this is about. This is about God. And so we see his dedication. I've prepared with all my might. I want to think about David's view of a sacrifice because sometimes I think we have taken away from the word sacrifice and the meaning of the word sacrifice. Um, I want to back up in 1 Chronicles 21, 24 to do that without getting too far off track. David had made a mistake. He'd taken an unauthorized census and he'd angered the Lord. And the Lord essentially offered him his choice of punishment for this. And it's, it's interesting reading. I encourage you to study that. Um, 
he puts himself at the mercy of the Lord. He's got some options there, and he says, I don't want to be left to my enemies. I don't, I, I'm just going to put myself at your mercy. And so he chose this, this path of, of punishment that was dealt out from the Lord. In the middle of that, there's this opportunity that presents itself to appease the Lord with a sacrifice. And here's this individual, Ornan, if I'm saying his name right. He offers King David everything he needs. Hey, you need to make a sacrifice. You need to make peace with the Lord. Take this stuff, take, take whatever you need. Make the sacrifice. Let's, let's make the Lord happy. And here's David's reply to that. And I think it's important to understand the attitude and the mentality and his leadership. Then King David said to Ornan, No, but I will surely buy it for the full price. For I will not take what is yours for the Lord, nor offer burnt offerings with that which cost me nothing. Now sometimes we have the idea that if we had to DVR the game to be at church, that we really laid it on the line for the Lord. We made a big sacrifice for the Lord, right? And we're not talking about some abstract opportunity cost that was given up here for David to do this. It's not, oh, hey, you're a really great guy. Thanks. Now I made a look at me. I made a sacrifice. No, you didn't. You didn't give up anything. A sacrifice is you giving up something. And David realized that. In fact, he demanded it. He said, I'm not going to do that. I'll pay you the full purchase price of this, and then I'll offer it to the Lord. And that's what he did. Notice what he says there in verse 3 again. Because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I've prepared for the holy house, my own special treasure of gold and silver. As the king of Israel, unlimited resources, right? You know, he could brag all he wanted about all the stuff that he'd stockpiled. But the point that I want to make here is that it wasn't just national resources that went into this treasury. He went into his own safe or (laughs) whatever it was, and it was his gold. It wasn't King David. It was David's gold, David's silver. He went into his own reserve, and he made a sacrifice. He gave up something. It cost him something to do this. We're building for God today. The Scripture makes this clear. 1 Timothy 3.15 If I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. So when we talk about this building for God, then we're going to draw our application to the work of the church today because it's God's house and it's a great work and we're building for him today. In fact, that's what Apostle Paul told the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3, verse number 9, for we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry or his field. If he were a farmer, you're his building. If he were a carpenter, you're his building and we're laborers together with him. So we're building for God today. In fact, the church was the plan all along. I don't know if you caught that prophecy, if you will, and talked about the task being Solomon's, but the prophecy was when David was dead and buried, his descendant would build a house for the Lord. Acts chapter 2, verse number 29, Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, 
that he is both dead and buried and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither did his flesh should see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. See, the church was the plan all along. The mighty, powerful God had an eternal purpose before the foundation of the world. And so when this temple was being built, that wasn't the end game. That wasn't the end goal. That was there for its purpose at the time and for us to learn lessons about how to build a house for God today. And so we need to take those lessons and we need to learn from them. Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 8, the Bible says this. Apostle Paul says to those at Ephesus unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church, the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we see these things that we've been talking about the last few nights begin to come together. This eternal purpose of God that he had in Christ. And the church was the plan. Now when we talk about the lessons that we can get from this, the work was great. It was a great task back then. When you begin to read and to study about the undertaking. That was, and the, the the amount of detail, the amount of resource that went into the building of this temple must have been such a magnificent thing to behold. Really awe-inspiring, just, just to read it. And, and, and that, that's not laying eyes on it. Of what It was a spectacle, uh, a wonder of the world. 1 Chronicles 22, verse number 5, Now David said, Solomon, my son's young and inexperienced in the house to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent, famous, and glorious throughout all countries. I will now make preparation for it. So David made abundant preparation before his death. Notice this standard that he had. This isn't a common project. This is for God. And it has to be exceedingly magnificent. It has to honor how high God is. That was the standard that he had. This isn't going to be a lean-to. It's not going to be a little shed next to my house that we put the ark in. This is for the powerful, mighty God of heaven. I think when we look at these elements that he underscores here, we see several points. We see a need for training. David addresses the people, and what does he tell them? He says, look, Solomon's young. He's green. And he's going to have to take the reins. Fortunately, we know from our study of Solomon's life, he, he made a request to God for wisdom to rule, and God blessed him with that. Right. But it wasn't a common project. And notice that David did what he could do now. I'll be honest with you, I have struggled in the past several months. I've pouted a little bit in the last several months. Full, full disclosure. What, what, I can't do anything. I can't go see anybody. I can't, can't preach. Can't. There was plenty that I could have done. There's plenty that I should have done while I was wasting my time pouting. 
What can you do right now? Something can be done. Some sort of preparation can be done. It might not be the stage that you want to do. It might not be the particular task that you want to do, but something needs doing. Let's figure out what it is and let's do it. Let's make those preparations. Let's do what we can do right now, today. I want to jump over to a little bit down the road when Solomon has taken over. To 2 Chronicles chapter 2, and verse number 3. <clears throat> there in verse number 3 it says, Solomon said unto Huron, the king of Tyre, saying, or sent unto Huron, the king of Tyre, saying, As thou didst deal with David my father, and didst send him cedars to build him a house to dwell therein, even so deal with me. Behold, I build a house to the name of the Lord my God, to get dedicate it to him, and to burn before him sweet incense, and for the continual showbread, and for the burnt offerings morning and evening, on the Sabbaths, and on the new moons, and on the solemn feast of the Lord our God. This is an ordinance forever to Israel. And the house which I build is great, for great is our God above all gods. I have a big project, and I need you to help me, and I need you to be my partner and my ally like you were my dad's partner. And I need some wood. I need some lumber. Let's pick up in verse number 6. But who is able to build him a house, seeing that heaven and heaven of heavens cannot contain him? Who am I then that I should build him a house, save only to burn, burn sacrifices before him? Send me now. Therefore, a man cunning to work in gold and in silver and in brass and in iron and in purple and crimson and blue, and that can skill to grave with the cunning men that are with me in Judea and in Jerusalem, whom David my father did provide. Send me also cedar trees, fir trees, and algum trees out of Lebanon. For I know that thy servants can skill to cut timber in Lebanon, and behold, my servants shall be with thy servants even to prepare me timber in abundance for the house which I am about to build shall be wonderful, great. Notice what is, is David just contracting some wood here? I'm sorry, Solomon. I'm getting mixed up. This is Solomon now. And he's making a deal for some lumber. Following verses, they work out the financial end. Tells him what he's going to pay him for this lumber. But notice the wisdom of leadership. Because when we talk about how great this work is, one of the things that we have to do and we have to realize is the need for training and preparation of future generations. He didn't just buy some wood. He trained skilled labor. He said, you bring your best guy that knows how to carve and engrave and do all the detail work that I need done. And I'll put him with my best guys. And there'll be a team. And then you bring your best lumberjacks. And I'll put them with my guys. And they'll develop their skill in getting that timber that we need. Because there was the immediate need, and there's the inevitable need of the future. Apart from the wood they needed right now to build the temple, inevitably they're going to need somebody that knows how to cut some wood and get some milling work done in the future. And both of those are provided in the wisdom of Solomon as he undertakes this task. He's playing the long game. He has the vision not just of the immediate task, but of the task of the future, the same way David did. The same way David 
was the team player. said, okay, this task isn't for me. I will do everything I can to make the next generation's life easier, to make their task easier, to help them succeed. Because it's not for man, it's for the Lord. And it's got to be great. 2 Chronicles 29, in verse number 2, he broke it down. He says, I prepare with all my might for the house of my God. And he begins to break down all the different materials that would be needed. You know, when we talk about the work of the church, I think this underscores that being that the church is not built of lumber and gold and silver and perishable things. It's made up of people, of souls that have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And there's all different types, isn't there? There's a place for everybody in the house of God. He's got a place for you. When we turn over to the New Testament, we see that not only does everyone have a place in the house of the Lord, we see that there is work for everybody in the house of the Lord. Ephesians 4, verse number 14, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Every part doing their job grows the body. It will increase. It will build itself up. It will fortify. It will strengthen. When... Everyone takes their task and performs their task. It was underscored many times that this was not a common project. This was not for man, but for the Lord. We'll do well to remember that, that our labor is not in vain in the Lord, and that we are working for the Lord. Take from uh, Prophet Malachi, Malachi 1.14. He said this, But cursed be the deceiver who has in his flock a male and takes a vow, but sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is to be feared among the nations. We see the same ideology that the standard that David, the standard that Solomon had, was the correct standard. It was the standard that God expected, wasn't it? Because when God was getting scraps and leftovers, he said, that's not fitting. I am a great king. My name should be feared. People shouldn't see my people offering me these lame sacrifices. They should see my people giving their best. But I wanted us to think about that. Cursed be the deceiver. Who is this deceiver deceiving? Because this is the message of the prophet, right? This is from God to Israel. Who is this deceiver deceiving? And that's what we find in Galatians chapter 6. The warning for us today, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. The only one that the deceiver is deceiving is themselves and maybe others. They're not deceiving God. God's not mocked. If we're not doing our work, God knows. If we claim to be doing our best and we're not, God knows. 
If we say we've brought our very best and we haven't, God knows it. And so we need to engage in the work with the right frame of mind. That it's not for man, it's for the Lord. And it has to be magnificent. It has to be great. It has to be all of these things that the uh, wisdom of, of David and Solomon both underscored. So what's in your heart? David said, moreover, because I've set my affection to the house of my God. And that's what it's going to take. That's what it's going to take. We're going to have to change what we love. We're going to have to change what we desire to properly honor God in this work. If our affection's not on the house of our God, then we can't provide the, the kind of work and the quality of work, the standard of work that God expects from us and that He deserves because of His greatness. Colossians 3 tells us this in verse number 1. Colossians 3, verse number 1, he says, If ye be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Change what you love. Change what you desire. Change where your heart is. And put your heart on the house of God. You remember what? Nathan told David. Remember, Nathan was a prophet. What did he tell him? Do everything that's in your heart. Does that sound familiar? People say that all the time. And at first, it kind of sounds kind of inspirational, doesn't it? Just follow your heart. Oh, hey. That's nonsense. It truly is foolishness when you begin to look at it and examine it from the Scripture. That's what the psalmist said. Incline my heart unto thy testimonies and not to covetousness. If you follow your heart, you will not get where God wants you to be. If you incline your heart to God's word, he'll lead you to where you need to be. Don't follow your heart. Lead it. Lead it to God's word. And let God's word do its work on your heart. Set your affection on things above. Because following your heart won't get you where God wants you to be, and it won't get God's work done. It'll get your selfish desires accomplished if you're fortunate, if you're lucky. It'll be temporary. The pleasure will be vain and fleeting. And ultimately, you'll stand at the last day in judgment. And God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. David said, I've prepared with all my might. Colossians 3.23, it says, Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. Do you ever get tempted to say, it does, it's, it's good enough for who it's for. It doesn't have to be that. It doesn't have to. Is that the mentality? Is that particularly when we're talking about the work of the church? Will we not give our best effort? Will we not work like it's for the Lord and not for men? Will we do it with everything that we have? What about if you knew that you wouldn't live to see the end? Guess what? If, if this world keeps going on very long, and, and none of us know how long 
it will go on, but what's most likely is you're not going to see. You're not going to see the end result of the seed that you sow in this community. All of it. Perhaps you'll see some of the fruits in your life. But David wasn't going to live to see the end of the temple, was he? He wasn't going to see it built. He wasn't going to see all the glory. And he didn't say, well, what's the, what's the use then? He still did everything that he could do. John 4, verse number 37. Herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereupon you bestowed no labor, other men labored and ye entered into their labors. And you have got to enjoy the benefits of work that past generations have done. And if you don't do your work, you failed the generations to come. And you made their life harder. And you made their mission harder. And you made their chance of success lower. So we have to take up our work. We have to do what our part is. First Chronicles 29, 28. Speaking of David, the Bible says, And he died in a good old age, full of days, riches, and honor. And Solomon, his son, reigned in his stead. Didn't get to see it, did he? Does that sound familiar? Like in the book of Hebrews, these all died in faith, having not received the promises. Did that keep them from playing the long game? Did that keep them from doing the work that they had to do? Did that keep them from answering the call that they had from God? Don't be selfish. Do everything that you can do. It has to be great. It's for the Lord, the great God of heaven. Or would you be too selfish? to make those kind of sacrifices with your life. 1 Chronicles 29, verse number 6. Look at the result of David's actions. It says, Then the chief of the fathers and princes of the tribes of Israel and the captains of the thousands and of hundreds with the rulers of the king's work offered willingly. Well, David could have commanded it, right? He was king. He could have said, Everybody, turn out your pockets. But notice... His leadership. He took out of his own proper good gold and silver, right? He offered willingly. And it trickled down to the next tier. Leaders in the church, what we do matters. Your example matters. Workers in the church, what we do matters. Your example matters. Mothers and fathers, your example matters. It has a trickle down. Husbands, wives, your example matters. It has a trickle down. Will it be for the good? Will it be for the benefit of the Lord's work? Or will it be for the worse? What we do matters and our example matters. It's important. It's a great work. And it's for the Lord. It's not for man. So we wrap up this evening and we review. The work is great. It's big. Don't let that be something to discourage you discourages you, but rather let it motivate you. Realize that you've entered in to other men's labors. And this is an ongoing project. And it's bigger than you. And it's bigger than this city that you reside in. It's bigger than all of us. And let's do our part. Let's do everything we can. Let's get wherever we get and let's make the next generation's task that much closer, that much better, that much easier. Lighten their load everywhere. Do everything we can to train and to prepare them. Do what we can now 
Remember, there's a place for everybody and there's a work for everybody. Don't deceive yourself. I don't know your heart this evening. You don't know mine, but the Lord knows everyone's heart. And He knows what kind of effort you're offering Him. Don't lead your, don't, don't follow your heart. Incline your heart to God's testimonies. Lead it to God's Word and let God's Word lead your heart to have your affections on things above and on things of this earth. Don't be selfish. This isn't about you. It's so much bigger than any of us. And remember that your example matters. Young people, remember your example matters. That never entered my mind when I was a boy running around. I was in college, and I had an individual almost twice my age upset at me one day, and we kind of got in an argument, and this grown man broke into tears, and he said, I wanted to be just like you. And it, it, I, I lost sleep for many nights. It never entered my mind that somebody else was looking up. Somebody that somebody older, it was, they were looking up to me and they said, I want to be. It doesn't matter who you are. Realize that somebody's looking at you and they want to be just like you. Remember that what you do matters. Now I want to close with where we need to lead our heart to. I want to look at where David's heart was. And the example that he left for us in these final words. First Chronicles 29, verse number 11. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thy hand is power and might. And in thy hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, our God, we thank Thee and praise Thy glorious name. He continues in verse 14. But who am I, and what is my people, that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of Thee, and of Thy own have we given Thee. For we are strangers before Thee and sojourners, as were all our fathers. Our days on the earth are as a shadow, and there is none abiding. O Lord our God, all this store that we have prepared to build thee a house for thy holy name cometh of thine hand, and is all thine own. Remember when Jesus said, when you've done what's your duty to do, say I'm an unprofitable servant, I've done that. Isn't that the exact heart set that King David shows after as he's come to the end of his road? And he's looked at his life's work and he's made his preparation for the temple. And he dedicates it to God in total humility. I didn't, everything that I gave you, it was already yours. He realizes that. Solomon realized that. Solomon, before he, while he was making his contracts with other people, Solomon expressed that to, to leaders of other nations. Who am I to, to even be doing this? But it has to be great because it's for my God that's above all gods the highest God, the only true and living God. So because of who the Lord is, because of what our objective is to teach and to preach Jesus Christ, because it's in accordance with the eternal purpose of God, the work that we have before us is great. The magnitude of the work ought to only encourage us to get busy, to start climbing, to prepare with all our might for the house of our God and to set our affection to the house of God and to walk before Him in complete humility. If a man thinks himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself.
The Lord is great. He's high and lifted up. The lesson is yours this evening. The work of the church is great. And as we've spoken about previously, the kingdom is His. The church is His. The plan was in place before the foundation of the world. And that was that you could have your sins paid for in Christ. The sacrifice that He made on Calvary. You can do that through obedience to the gospel. Be buried with Christ in baptism to rise up and walk with Him in newness of life. And if you haven't obeyed the gospel and you've been taught that, we encourage you not to delay. And if you've done that, and your service isn't what it needs to be, and you need to make a change, you know God knows. But we're not in a hurry this evening. If you need help, we're here to serve one another in love. And so if you have any kind of spiritual need this evening, please let that be known by having a seat on one of these front pews while together we stand and sing the song that's been selected. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. For further information about our church, please go to normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com.